0: Once again, we are out in the woods and we are. Uh, I guess this would be Reckless on the Road, right?
1: Reckless on the Road or Reckless <laughs> in the Woods, whichever. Reckless in the
0: Woods. That sounds like a like a deer hunting story gone wrong. <laughs> oh, gosh. Anyway, so. You can't
1: think slasher.
0: <laughs> this is episode 150. Yes. So we're coming at you with the good audio recorded on our Apple watches. As That's we, how we roll. As we, uh, you mean walk.
1: Yes, that's how we it's rock. reckless and no the woods. rolling. Not, not reckless. <laughs> Let's not roll ankles.
0: Speaking of, this is actually the trail I rolled my ankle on. This wow. like right up here. That's great. I was gonna tell not you great, that but this is where I rolled my ankle. Like well, happy right between anniversary
1: you. to the reckless pursuit and rolling your ankle.
0: Yes. 150 episodes and a few ankle rolls later, and here we are. So uh I guess like I had an idea that just came to my mind. We were talking about Clubhouse, which is a new Social media app for those of you who have no idea, which is probably most of you. Uh, it's just a it's a it's basically kind of like an AOL chat room is the best way I describe it.
1: Mm-hmm, audio only, like
0: it's audio only. You go in there, people are having conversations. You can search by the conversation going on, and it's like radio shows, but it's only through iPhone, uh, Android coming soon, and it's uh, you just use like headphones. You're not allowed to use like I guess like pro audio gear and stuff because it's through your phone. So. You had said something that made me want to go off on a more tangent and not necessarily about Clubhouse, but it was something you said while you were talking about that. You had mentioned someone talking about how like they were tired of talking about church. They were so thankful to have another life-giving conversation. And I wanted to think, I wanted to kind of talk on that for, you know, about, what, 10 minutes? It didn't have to be a long conversation here for our 150, but how do we, like, so what, oh, let me give a little backstory. Whenever I was... Growing up in church, I was always told to share the gospel, you know, the whole go and make disciples of all nations. That was like the thing, right? The Great Commission. That's how churches grow. That's how religions grow. You have to share the good news, right? Mm -hmm. And as you go through spiritual changes and stuff, you realize that that's not exactly what you always thought it was. And I guess I kind of want to talk about that because it's kind of a basic thing that I feel like needs to be discussed. How do we have conversations that are, I don't want to say Christ-centered conversations necessarily, but how do we have life-giving, fruitful, in-spirit conversation uh, that isn't the same old church message, the same old Sunday morning service? How do we grow in our faith? Without using that jargon, without like, what are other conversations we can be having? And this goes, and I I actually feel like this is a great 150 because our big thing is having those conversations, right? Mm-hmm. Asking the questions. And so how do we have, what is another version of those life-giving things to find whenever so many of us are sick of the same old Sunday sermon?
1: Yeah, and that's a good question because I feel like like you said, anybody who's undergoing the instruction and questioning beliefs, you have spiritual changes, even like good spiritual changes. You kind of have to redefine not necessarily Though this could be an option, not necessarily redefine the good news, but redefining what is life giving. What does that mean? What topics are life giving topics? Because we often talk about having deep conversations. And some of those deep conversations, while they may be life giving, they're not very lively. Like we talk, a lot of deep conversations are about hard topics right but in the moment like it may not may feel awkward or uncomfortable to talk about the certain things but you get out of the conversation feeling lighter right even after talking about heavy heavy topics and so i guess for me like if you were asking me that question just redefining what is life giving to you i guess
0: right well and i think that kind of goes to what is sharing the gospel what does it mean to shoot share the to shoe, the, to shoe the good horse. What does it mean to share the good news?
1: What is the good news?
0: Well, the JBQ answer is uh, the life and teaching of Jesus, you know, like to share. Basically, the gospel means good news, right? So that would be sharing God's word, except that when Jesus was walking the earth and told people to share the good news, there was no Bible. So the good news was just his life, which we could say is summed up in the Bible. But also, it's not that complex.
1: I'm probably going to butcher this. And I think we've mentioned this early on in the show before, but it's kind of like that quote where it's like, share the good news if needed, use words. Yeah. Kind of thing.
0: Yeah, we talked about that back in like the 20s. Speaking
1: louder Uh than words and everything. And does every good deed even have to have Jesus attached to it? Or you know, is sharing the good news simply being a good neighbor and helping someone change
0: their tire? Well, and that comes down to this. Is all things good godly? And are all godly things good? If God is goodness, whether you mean it or not, if it's a good deed, it's probably operating out of Christ. And I know that people would argue me on that, you know, and you can look at it two different ways. I'm not trying to say that you know what I mean. I'm not trying to split hairs here, but it's kind of one of those things where, like, you can do good things and not intended to be through Christ, but Christ can speak through all things good. I mean, Christ can speak through all things in general, I guess I should yeah. say. but
1: And I actually did a, a video on TikTok the other day where I had, I think you even watched the video with me, but it was basically somebody had made a video about this tweet where it was like, and I'm not getting into politics or anything like that, but it was saying like, when self-proclaiming Christians, you know, share misinformation or conspiracy theories or whatever, and then say Jesus is Lord, like, is that... Like, are, are people going to take that seriously? And then the same notion, even that if you pr- profess God is love or Jesus loves all, and you don't operate in that love, are you spreading the good news? Because with your words, you're saying, hey, Jesus loves you. But if your actions aren't loving, like, right. are you actually spreading Jesus's love?
0: Right. And you could say, oh, that's actually. So funny you say that. That was the second place my mind went to without trying to wrap up in politics, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. But good Lord, like, look at what all just went down with politics and what's currently going down.
1: Not life giving. <laughs>
0: yeah. Like, it, it's just not. It's, oh, Christians are being silenced. Let's burn things down and bust stuff. And
1: that's a great way to stay silent.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like, that's just, that's a great way to never be taken seriously. Yeah. That. that is satanic in the sense of
1: anti undermines
0: everything. That Christ stands for. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it undermines when Jesus was faced with scrutiny to the government. What did he do? I am who I am. You know, I am who I am. So be it. I stand by who I am. He didn't go burn them to the ground. You know, what did he do? He stood there. Now, am I saying to like, take a, I'm not saying anything like that. I'm just saying like, there is a sense of like, Christ knew that God was above and that his best interest would play out. And so, like, going back to the whole words thing, and this goes both ways, too. If you have someone who's deep in conspiracy, this is another video we saw, how to handle someone who's deep in conspiracy. Like, well, you can't just blast them out on Facebook because that's never going to, all that does is push them further into something. You know, we have someone who we're acquainted with who does that quite a bit with, uh, I guess, what, religious mindset? is blasting them out. And all it does is make a bunch of people mad. And, like, Sure, it'll get you traction, but it's have positive traction is that the love of Christ. Pissing off people for the just for the, you know, the heck of it. Just to try to feel superior. That's what Trump does. That's what egos do. And it really made me kind of think: to me, where I am right now, sharing the good news is less about me telling someone that Jesus loves them and it's showing them.
1: Embodying that. Embodying
0: love. that. And that's not. Just the conversation. You can never have the conversation with someone going, let's just go old school church here, okay? You'll never be able to tell someone the power of Christ in their life if you are before that basically like running who they currently are through the mud. You cannot come to the Gentile and tell them that they're garbage. You know, you can't go to the idolatrous woman or whatever she was being stoned for or whatever and not first draw the line in the sand and say, hey, we're actually equal. Even if I did have the authority, I still love you.
1: Well, and I've seen that a lot play out in leadership in general of like, I'm going to tear you down.
0: That's called gaslighting.
1: (laughs) And then rebuild you back up to the standard that I think that you should operate in. And Jesus didn't do that. Like... Jesus didn't belittle those people and then be like, oh, by the way, I love you. Like, mm-hmm. and it's like, actually, hey, like, I am affirming and proclaiming life in you. Now let's keep walking that life together right. kind of thing.
0: Well, and that goes back to the whole notion. Sorry to cut you off of those in here. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you, you go. Well, so like the idea of like, you know, the focusing on sin versus focusing on sainthood or whatever, the dirty rag, all the things that we pretty consistently touch back on. But that goes to the idea that why do we want to focus on people's problems instead of focusing on their good? And if you were to build up the good, if you feed the good, sooner or later the bad will starve. You have to feed that up in conversation, in in that that is sharing the gospel.
1: Well, and you can even spin it in like the whole psychology realm of when you tell somebody, don't think these thoughts or don't do this bad thing. What are they going to do? They're going to think the bad thoughts. They're going to do the bad thing. But if you say, Hey, like think about this life giving thing. Why don't you partake in this action that builds you and restores you? What are you going to do? You're going to go towards those things that speak life into you and build you up and restore you. But if you're constantly focused on the negative, that's. That's not the good news. Like tearing people down is not the good news. Right. That's
0: the bad news. <laughs> yeah. We went to share the good news. What is the good news? Christ came to bring life and to bring life more abundantly, right? God so loved the world that he gave his only son that those should not perish but have eternal life. Think about that. Piece all those things together. God gave his only son so people can have life, it was a gift of life. And when you start looking at things that way, you're like, oh, wait a second. Actually, the good news is focused on life. Now, there's times to talk about issues. Like I said, you know, I've, I've talked about that before. I'm not negating that. But you can never show someone the love of Christ by pointing out how much he hates and detests who they are. You know, it's like... They won't going, believe you
1: at that point. point, first of all. That is
0: literally your father, you know, going to your mom or your dad, And saying, How can I please you today? And they're like, quit being such a crybaby. Stop being so stupid. But I love you. And then I will like, that's how you can make me love you enough. And that's never God. God is always, I have always loved you enough. Now I want the best for you. I don't want to see you sabotage your own relationships by being a narcissist, (laughs) but I want you to know that I love you enough and despite that. And it always comes from a place of love. And if we would approach conversations, and I'm talking like hard conversations, okay? Conversations that your family is believing and trapped in a conspiracy. Go even deeper. Like, let's try to broaden it out in case that steps on anyone's toes, okay? Because I understand that to a lot of people it's subjective too. And I don't want to get into the political side of this. Let's say you have a family member who's in a cult. Okay. How do you tell them they're in a cult when they've been conditioned to believe this? Well,
1: or conditioned to believe that you're in a cult.
0: (laughs) Right. You have to do it in such a loving way that even if they choose to stay, because it's ultimately their choice, right? That you still love them and you try your best to show them positivity. Go left, dude. Good boy. You try to show them positivity in the most practical sense, to lure them into understanding that the falsehood they've been fed isn't the truth. You know, the falsehood of, uh, I don't know what it is like, um, politics versus, you know, based religion, or the falsehood of Christ is an evil thing on a throne, or the falsehood of, you know, like, you can't grow as a human, like whatever these falsehoods are, it comes through communicating in love. And like I said, that's the biggest argument that I've ever heard against that line of thinking is, well, you can't just, you know, baby over everything. Sooner or later, you have to actually talk about things. And I agree.
1: But in a loving way. Right.
0: And you have to have the relationship to do that.
1: Yeah. And You like, have to y-
0: come from a place of having that level of trust. It's not authority. That's the biggest thing that I think people miss on that I feel like just came to my mind. Thank you, Lord. I'll give him credit for that one. It isn't a level of authority. Authority does not equate to trust. You cannot speak from your place of authority. You may be someone's boss or parent or legal guardian. Pastor. Pastor. Deacon. Teacher. Spiritual advisor. All these, you know, police officer, president, bishop, whatever these titles are, that's cute and all when it comes to who, takes the blame and who keeps the thing moving in the right direction as an entity. But that's what that is. It is not, you know, a pastor isn't a position in a church. You can have a lead teacher. Okay. You can have a minister, but that doesn't make them a pastor. You can have all these levels of authority ship over someone.
1: But that doesn't mean you have that connection or that relationship right. with them.
0: And without trust, which is given, it is trust is earned. You know
1: well, and so many like we've talked I think we even talked about this on our last hike hiking episode where we were talking about like not letting scripture be the last word, kind of thing of like, are you just dropping scripture so right. you don't have to yep, have this conversation and my My thing about that is that, again, like, it's so easy to just be like, well, the Bible says this, and then just expect them to be like, oh, okay, yeah. But whenever you have that relationship, even if you still, you know, use scripture as whatever conversation that you're trying to have, you know, it's being able to say, okay, like, let's look at this, let's talk about perspective, let's honor each other in this conversation, I'm not going to point out your flaws and say, oh, you're a horrible person. But whenever you come from the position of love, like love is louder, like let your love be louder than any argument or whatever that you, you may have, you can't come off and just go in attack mode and just be like, well, you're this horrible person. And if only you could see it this way, But they're never going to see it that way. If you don't operate in a love connection first.
0: Right. And that goes to the whole thing. Like you have to have that level of trust and companionship. And that is given and earned. It is never, or excuse me, it's given and earned, never taken. You can't just expect that because then you're trying to mold someone in your image without really knowing them. And that's gaslighting. You can never make someone do the thing you want them to. You cannot force someone to believe the way you want them to believe. That is just, that is not going to happen. That violates free will. It violates God's gift of humanity. God doesn't do it to us. We can't do it to each other. That is simple. It is missing the mark. You are missing who Christ is and what he attends for each person. And on top of that, what was the last thing you just said?
1: You can't go like on attack mode and telling people like you're right. this so horrible.
0: The next thing I was thinking is, You cannot, if you're walking away from a conversation with a loved one or a friend, I guess that would be a loved one, anything like that, however you want to say, any kind of relationship, and you feel less than or you feel hurt, like that person isn't care, like doesn't care about you and respect who you are, whether that be a political conversation you had, a spiritual because you don't believe the same way. If you ever walk away feeling like that person does not respect, understand, or sympathize with you, Then the love of Christ or the good news was not shared. And the reason I say that is you can have some of the hardest conversations on earth where someone could be screwing it up totally. Someone could be going out, having affairs on their wife, cheating, getting drunk every night, getting high every day, you know, shooting people on the weekends. Like, let's just go crazy, right? And you can have a conversation with them and they may very well walk away frustrated and pissed off that you had this conversation. But the one thing they won't be able to deny when they can get their head in the right place is that there was love in that conversation. If you come at it through love. I've dealt with someone with alcohol. My mom knew I loved her when we walked away from those conversations. There were times that I was yelling at her as she was fighting with police officers, okay? There were times I fought guns out of her hands, but I always made sure to know that she knew that I loved her despite the hell because of the situation we were in. And that is my responsibility. As hard as it gets, You have to come from a place of love. Now, sure, there are times she wasn't in her right mind to accept that, but I always made sure to circle back with her the best I could to make sure she knew that I loved her in those situations. Because the time you don't do that, the times I didn't, and there were times I didn't show her. There were times I pretended like I was mad and wanted nothing to do with her. All I did was push her further into the problem that I was trying to get her out of. And so I was not showing, I was not using the good news that Christ came and forgave and died to love and died to give life and I was not giving life in that situation go ahead we can wrap it up with whatever you have next
1: yeah I was gonna actually wrap it back up with your question of like how do you have life-giving conversations without specifically saying like Christ loves you or or whatever just in general how to have those conversations like you were saying like letting your mom know that you loved her how do you embody that love like how, how do you let somebody like even like you said even if it wasn't a situation where like Right. they were really in the wrong and like you were trying to help them how do you well, do you say i love you like how a, do you ha- how do you let somebody be heard and affirmed and accepted and leave the conversation so feeling is, listened
0: yeah this is very dependent in my opinion on the conversation you're having uh conversation a is i think that in general conversation with people you already know and already have this relationship with don't allow something like politics or a difference on minor beliefs even what you think major like hell like dictate uh, how you treat that person if you treat someone in a negative light because they hold a certain belief if someone believes that homosexuals are going to go to heaven and someone doesn't both sides still need to love that person despite their complete and utter disagreement
1: Well, and the the more that you try to proclaim your version of whatever truth that you are trying to convey to this person, the more that you hard press and attack and not affirm someone, the more they're going to be involved in theirs because they want nothing to do with you and your message. And there's
0: the other idea too, right? So until that person sits down with someone who is in that situation, they'll never understand. Until someone who's rich sits down in a poor man's shoes, they'll never understand the struggle. Until a straight white dude sits down and in a gay black man's shoes, they'll never understand the struggle, right? Like it's impossible to understand someone's struggle without sitting first, taking a second to see their shoes, right? Think of A Christmas Carol. It's the epitome of that, right? Like Ebenezer's whipped off his feet, his selfish, greedy, you know, the selfish, greedy old bastard who's sitting in the room screwing everyone over gets whipped off his feet, hoisted through life and death and the possibility of a future, you know? And... Quite literally sees himself in his grave, sees the poorness around him and realizes like, hey, actually, like I can now understand because I've seen, you know, I I understand because I see it takes it takes that sometimes the hey, put your hand in the holes in my wrist kind of thing, you know, and that's acceptable. But you also have to understand you also have to understand that. Try as you might, all we can do is sympathize to the best of our ability. But if someone hasn't walked that mile, it's our job to love them and try, but we they'll never truly understand. So trying to love someone where they're at and in their current understanding, you know, because we're all in a constant state of learning and unlearning. I think we talk so much in our society about learning and don't focus enough on unlearning, but unlearning is just as important. We unlearn things all the time, or in momentary crisis situations where we have to make decisions. Right now, I am deciding where to place my feet based on the next rock in front of me. In 30 seconds, really, if I wasn't thinking about it, in less than that, I've already forgot that decision. I've unlearned that decision because it's no longer pertinent to my life in this moment. Unlearning is just as important as learning.
1: I was gonna say, for me, I feel like that's where the whole importance of focusing on self and not in a selfish way, but focusing on where you are at in your spiritual journey and recognizing how far you've come, like where you came from, the questions you used to deal with or the things that you used to to struggle with that you've overcome. And being like you were saying, like putting yourself in somebody else's shoes and really focusing on how to show up in your relationships without trying to change the other person? Well,
0: and it comes down to empathy, right? How do you... And I guess let me go ahead and just highlight to answer your question so I'm not beating around the bush before I go on another tangent. The three types of situations that I see occurring most commonly, situation A is with someone you already have a relationship with, and that's the one I just kind of answered, like do your best despite your differences. You know, parents with different political views or uh, someone who's a hardcore, uh, you know, Southern Pentecostal versus someone who has left church altogether but still loves Christ. You know, like understand where they are in their life. Don't expect them to have to conform their views to you. But do have a mutual respect for one another. You know, that's like number one, I guess. Secondary relationship would be with. Someone that you the do not... Well, actually, no. Someone you do not currently have a relationship with on that. Well, I guess that would be an acquaintance or a stranger off the street or whatever. But until... If you do not have that deeper connection, that situation, your goal to share the good news is to A, position yourself in a positive light. If they're talking negative about themselves, shift that. Tell them the good you see in them. Tell them the good things. Speak positive. Try to relate. And share the love of Christ in the most truest sense. Speak life. You know, try to relate to their scenarios, whatever they're going through in life. Even those small encounters, something as simple as a smile to a cashier. Well, I guess masks make that hard. But, <laughs> you know, like the little things, a thank you.
1: Pre and after COVID. Right.
0: A thank you goes a long way. Have a good day. And I'm not saying that platitudes are always a necessity. Sometimes we don't remember to do platitudes. But just seek it. Take the Go out of your way
1: to show that kindness.
0: But take the Buddhist monk view of that of, you know, leave no evil in your trace. Like everywhere you go. Like, okay, here's a good example. As much as people do it, it pisses me off. You don't throw garbage out the window on the highway because you're too lazy to throw your trash away. Don't do that emotionally either. You know, always look to clean up after yourself. If you have wronged someone, do your best to make it right. If you see someone being wronged, do your best to sympathize with their situation. If you are able to help, safely help. If you are able to, uh, even, you know, prayer. If you believe in the power of prayer, which I do, uh, even though that's changed a lot for me too, like prayer and Positive positivity, all these things are the good news. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that sharing the love of Christ isn't by any means. I'm just saying... I was gonna say,
1: there's definitely situations where you can say, hey, can I pray for you, or here's a Bible verse, or whatever. Right.
0: Open praying with people has power. So Reading the Word has power. Reading... You know, I don't want to dismiss that. The big issue with deconstructionism is we dismiss a lot of that. There is power in all of that. And I don't want to circumvent that at all. But the person has to be in the mindset to want that, hey Because a unsolicited prayer is venom. And prayers have been used venomously before. You know? Like unsolicited prayer isn't life-giving to grab someone and force them into it. Like that's not speaking, that's not doing the right thing either. But you know what I mean. But like
1: the most authentic way.
0: Sharing the gospel with someone who wants to hear the gospel of like, hey. I want to hear more about the way. You know, this is the way. I don't know why that's been like a popular way of talking about it lately. Going back to saying the way instead of saying Christianity. A
1: follow, follow the can't, way.
0: I can't not Mandalorian that. But anyway. Um, but like to go back to that and to share the love of Christ and the beauty that is following Christ and the life that it can give and focusing on the life. But the true thing is following. That path isn't what a lot of Christianity is now. It's focused on the death and the destruction and the division. And that's the problem Is getting back to that to share the gospel originally. So what was and the third? The, the third situation, and then we probably need to wrap this up. So the third thing is uh, situations like with my mother, where you're dealing with someone who is not in their right mind, someone who is disillusioned, sick. Uh, they are in a altered mental state in which whether that be self-induced or uh, not. And in those people, there's a lot of times, whether it be, you know, to give some examples, someone who is drunk or someone who is caught up in an addiction, even if they're not actively in that moment partaking, someone who is in a cult or has fallen victim to false information and has informative bias based on what they have heard so much that to understand the truth seems like a lie. It's like topography looking down on it. And those little things like that are some examples in my mind. And to help those, sometimes you have to be stern. You have to be direct. And those people will not always realize you love them because it demands a harsh reaction to pull someone out of that. But my number one advice is never do that alone because you don't want your own biases getting in the way. Number two, always resort back to the fact that It is ultimately their decision still, unless they are physically harming someone else or themselves, like physically harming, you know, like if someone wants to drink themselves to the grave, they have that freedom. And ultimately, you have to give people that choice, but to always go back and do your best to express love in that, even in the harshest tone moments, to try to loop back and underline it with the love of Christ, you know, it's the whole flipping tables or rebuke moment but rebukes are handed out too commonly in christianity and that brings it to like the gaslight of christianity right christianity gaslighting which i think is what i'll work into the title of this but anyway do you have any closing thoughts that's episode 150 we love you guys let us know what you think and we're going to get back to the car so as always be brave be bold and be reckless we'll We'll talk talk soon. soon